We're starting our new series. Um, you know, last week I talked about what we'd be focusing on uh, in 2015 and that our main focus as a church body is going to be one that, that uh, really reflects on the importance of the fact that Jesus crowned us with honor, that in every, at every turn of Jesus' life, he spent his earthly life focused on crowning the people around him with honor. The woman at the well, someone that was dishonored, outcast, comes to the well in an hour when the other women aren't coming because she's really, she's a prostitute. She's been put away by five men and the one she's with now is not her husband. She, she's an outcast. She's, she's cast aside and Jesus comes and sets at that well and has a conversation with a woman which, which men don't do, and, and, and then above that, with a Samaritan woman, which Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. I've taught this before, that Jesus was dealing with a lot of the isms that we, we, we see even in our society today. He was dealing with racism, he was dealing with chauvinism, he was dealing with bigotry, and he was dealing with the, the sense of, of that, um, that uh, outcast in society, the sin or the, the misbehaviors of people where they're just cast out and, and they have no access. Everything Jesus came to do was to make a way for man to come back to God. And that way was through him. He called himself the way, the truth, and the life. He said that no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him, but no man can come to the Father unless they come through the Son. And when we understand that, Jesus then goes about in that anointing, and what he's doing is he's, he's taking the, the, um, the, the downcast, the downtrodden, and he's lifting them up out of that place into a place of honor. He's crowning them with honor and glory. And last week I talked about the fact that God says he crowns us with honor and glory. We understand that God sees us that way. Then we connect the fact that that's the reason why he sent his son is so that we could be crowned with glory and honor. Because in our fallen state, we can't walk in the level of honor and glory that we were made for. But through Christ, we are able to do that. Not because of our own effort, not because of our own works, but because of his work in us. We may put our hand to the work, we may put our mind to the work, we may put our heart to the work. But the reality is, is that we cannot do right unless God in us is leading us to do that. Let's put it this way. It, it, it doesn't measure up or add up unless God is the one doing it in us. Why? Because then we would perceive it as our own righteousness, our self-righteousness, which would fall short. That in this life, if if we do good and we think that's good enough and we don't need God, then the reality is, is for all the good we did, we'll fall short in the end. I was sharing a little bit, it, I couldn't help it in our Connect class this morning, that the message that I'm sharing kind of falls within context of the initial class that we teach about the importance of people uh, understanding what it is to be a member of the body of Christ, what it, what it is to, to know your gifts and your callings so that you're able to operate in such a way that you give God place in your life to work through you. If people aren't seeing necessarily your works, but they're seeing God's work in you and through you into their life. And it's important for us to, to, to do that because it's the only way 
that we can crown them with the honor and the glory that God the Father intends for every human being on this earth. He's not willing, you know, that any should perish, but all come to everlasting life. How do they do that? He chose the foolishness of preaching. You know, you know God can roll the heavens back like a scroll right now. He could, he could just peel the top off of this building and just, you know, to each and every one say, hey, you know, well, I don't think any of us would just be sitting around in that moment. We'd probably be a little startled, a little fearful maybe. You think we'd be more like the, the prophets of old who, who, when an angel appeared, they would fall on the ground and like, oh my God, you know, in fear. Or do you think, be like, hey God, what's up? Now, I would venture to say that we'd be more in that state of, Dear God, <laughs> I think we'd be more like Isaiah the prophet who, who, who uh, saw the Lord high and lifted up in the train of his robe, filling the temple. In that vision that he saw, what happens? He said, woe is me, for I am undone. My eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. And I think that would be more our response. But yet, if you understand that that's how awesome God is, and then he chooses to work through us as human beings, he chooses the foolishness of preaching. What's the foolishness of preaching? An imperfect vessel, in a sense, being used to reveal a perfect God. How much more foolish can you get than that? But he chooses the foolish things of this earth to confound the wise. We become wise in our own ways and wise in our own means and and knowledgeable. And what happens is, is there's a puffing up, a pride that comes through that. But in a sense, I can take care of this. I don't need you, God. I can get along without you, God. And that, that's been man's thing all along. Go back to the Garden of Eden and you see Adam and Eve who have one rule. Who have one rule. One thing, don't do this. I mean, how many of you have children? Don't do that. What do they do? What the world? It's in them from the garden. It is in them. They were born that way. But I, I, I submit to you that Jesus came to break that rebellion in us. Not, not, not break it through, if you will, uh, strong-arming or, you know, swatting you on the backs. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I had to spank Wade more than I did my daughters. He's a little bit more stubborn. And, and in that, it's kind of like, you know, the few spankings he got, he didn't get a lot. Some of you may not believe in spanking your kid. Well, you know. Your prerogative. I don't know how that works for you, but, you know, when it came to certain things, my kids are going to get a spanking. Other things they're going to get talked to or talked with. But I'll never forget uh, with Wade, um, the last spanking I gave him. Never had to give him another one. He got two on that one. uh, There was only a few things that we said, you get spanked for this and this. One was lying. He lied to me. And he lied to his principal. So because he lied, he got two spankings. That second one, all I know is it sealed the fate of any spankings thereafter. Wade didn't need any more. All he knew is it's like, you know what, I'm done with that. You know, there's here, if you just watch from here to here, brain, butt, brain, butt, spine, nerve endings. Somehow it connects all the way up to that sucker. And like, Pop, ding, don't ever do that again. Now, now here's the interesting thing. Never did I spank my children out of anger. 
Fathers, provoke not your children unto wrath. I never provoked my kids to wrath. When I spanked them, they always actually ran into my arms because of the way that I handled it when it came to the moment of discipline. Vital for every parent in this room. If you do spank your children, that's the way it should be done. The only way the world can justify saying that we shouldn't spank our children is because we would handle it the wrong way. Now, with that, why am I sharing this? Because God, without question, watch, he, he could have come and spanked us all. You understand? It's all over. Wipe the earth clean. It's done. He did it in Noah's time. He did it during the Tower of Babel, if you will. He comes down and he issues some discipline, right? And he divides their languages. He confuses them. And then you got it in Noah's time, and if you will, the flood. I mean, if that wasn't a spanking, I don't know what it was. It was a pretty, pretty strong one, too. Starts over with just one man and his family and wipes everything else out. Promises he'll never do it again. And then he comes along, and what we know is we know Noah was the type and shadow of Christ. And Christ comes, and what happens is you see grace administered in the midst of discipline. What's that all for? So that we will understand that our life, no matter what we may gain in this time that we live here, no matter what we may achieve, no matter, uh, you know, uh, what relationships we build, all those things that we may do, they do not matter unless we recognize that they are to be done in such a way that reveals the purpose and the call of God in our life. And fulfilling that is what will crown us with honor and glory from above. Doing our own will will never crown us with honor and glory from above. It may crown us with our own honoring. It may crown us with what uh, others around us, you know, perceive about us or say about us. How many of you have seen the new commercial, you know, they got a, a few college guys, they won the Heisman Trophy. And they're chatting about, you know, they're watching, you know, the playoffs are coming up and they're talking about the Heisman Trophy. And the one guy's like, you know, yeah, I remember, you know, he does his little pose and the guy next to him, he's like, yeah, I think I got that trophy too. And the other guy goes, yeah, I think I got that one too. Joe Montana's sitting over in a chair by himself looking at him and they're like, you didn't win one of those, did you? And he went, no, and he's got five Super Bowl rings on his hand, you know, <laughs> clanking them. No, I didn't win one of those, you know. What I'd say to you is that in a sense, using that and saying that us honoring ourselves is basically the same way. You know, uh, that trophy versus, you know, the five Super Bowl, which one of those kind of, you know, all of them are great, right? But when Joe Montana brings those five Super Bowl rings out, I think, and they're all like, back on the TV, and they don't want to talk about it anymore. Why? It's the same way, really, using, using a simple earthly illustration to say this. Us crowning ourselves or people around us crowning us with honor and glory don't compare to God crowning us with honor and glory. And God's crowning of honor and glory in our life has everything to do with the calling and purpose of God in our life. So to, to come to that place we have to understand the call of God in our life. There's two specific things we'll look at, but today I want to read about some people, in a sense, in Scripture that were crowned with honor and glory because they knew their call, they fulfilled their call, and their purpose in life. And even though they endured hardships and went through things, they stayed focused on what God called them to do, even when it meant discomfort, on this earth, even when it meant it cost them something 
uh, personally as a human being, they would still keep their focus on the call of God in their life no matter what may come. Let me say that is the kind of crown and glory and honor that we want to have on the day we stand before our Lord and Savior. Amen? And so, the if I can get to my outline here, I'm still in communion. So, uh, the series we're in is The Call of God. Today, I want to talk about hearing and responding to the call in context of it being for the purpose of being crowned with glory and honor and crowning others with glory and honor as we enter this new year. Hebrews 11, 1 through 40. Not something we do common, but this will be the primary focus as we do this series. So, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made by the things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out uh, out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going by faith he dwelt in a land of promise as in a uh, as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob the heirs of him of who, of, of the same promise for he uh, waited for the city which uh, was has foundations whose builder and maker is God By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as are the stars of the sky in the multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. That was the promise God made to Abraham, by the way. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, But having seen them afar off, assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, now they desire a better That is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises 
offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Underline that. Verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, of jo- each of the sons of Joseph, and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, uh, blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. You understand Rahab was actually in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab the harlot was in the lineage of Jesus. Talk about crowned with glory and honor coming out of. So I'll move on. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and uh, Jephthah, um, also of David and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. A better resurrection. That's actually uh, the martyr's crown, is what that's known as. Talking about crowning with honor and glory, the person that is a martyr, martyred for their faith in Christ, actually receives a specific crown for that martyrdom. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, and all these have obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Listen to this, because it's for us. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And what Christ did on the cross, saints, look up here. What he did on the cross, the moment he died on the cross, the opportunity he provided for all mankind 
to be restored, to be reconciled in relationship with God, that all that was endured by these folks here, by the way, being crowned with glory and honor, being penned in Scripture, to be passed down from generation to generation to generation, their testimony, their witness still speaks to us. I want to subject this question concerning your calling, concerning God's purpose in your life today. Who will your testimony speak to generations from now should the Lord tarry in coming back? I know we watch everything align itself, and i got to tell you that, that many generations have thought God's return, the Lord's return is going to be this, it's coming. You know what it could be, so be ready. But the reality is, as others have thought the same, and the Lord said that he's not slack in his promise, just like he wasn't slack in his promise to them, but knowing that there was, there was a greater glory to be obtained, there was a greater crowning of honor to be obtained, and that is <coughs> that God's not willing that any should perish, but all come to everlasting life. So when God says that if, if it seems as though he tarries, he does for one reason, and that is so that others can come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That they too can become a part of God's family, that they too can be crowned with glory and honor. But the only way for that to happen is for us to take up that crown of glory and honor. The calling of God in our life to live our faith out for others to see. To live our faith out in such a way that others would feel the draw of God. That they would see Christ through us and that they would be drawn to God. It's like there's something, I don't know what it is about that person, but there's something in them and i got to know what it is. There's something about them that's different, and i got to know what it is. And when they get to meet you and they really start to, to understand what it is, is they understand that you are in this world, but you are not of it. That was a great place to say amen. That you are a sojourner just like they were sojourners, just like Abraham's walking in this desert land that's his promised land. Great. I mean, imagine. Here's, here's how it is. got to have water. I'm about to... <laughs> Go into a coughing fit. <laughs> Imagine you're Abraham for a moment, and you get the promise of God. God says, Abraham, come out from among your people. All that's, that's been established here. You know, you got all the comfort and the hanging out with your family and everything, but I'm calling you out of here, and I'm calling you to a promised land. And Abraham's like, okay, God, I'll go. He answers the call and heads off. And there it says he went into desert places, wilderness places. You want to know where he actually went? We're going to look at this next week. We're going to take a close look at the life of Abraham. We're going to take a close look at the life of Moses. We're going to take a close look at the life of Joseph. We're going to take a close look at the life of Paul. We're going to take a close look at the life of Jesus. This is what we're going to do in this this eight-week series is we're going to look at the call of God in other people's lives so we can reflect on, God, how are you calling me? Because I certainly want to be faithful to what you've called me to do so that on that day when I stand before you, that if there's anything being read about me from the people who follow me, the generations, my, my children and my children's children, what they know about me is that I followed you. Just like Abraham's children and his children's children were able to read about him. You know, I know it's not scripture. That's okay. I'm a living epistle. Say this with me. I am a living epistle. You are. Paul calls us that. He says we're living epistles, that people are reading our lives every day. What are they reading about you? 
What is it that are they discovering something about God when they read you? <coughs> Man. Yeah, it's over there. <coughs> Got that little scratch in the back of your throat when you get to preaching, man. It just like kicks in. What are they reading about you? That that here's Abraham, he arrives in this wilderness place. I don't know if you feel that way sometimes, that God saved you, called you out. You get to where he's called, like, man, here I am. This place is a desert, man. What's going on? I thought you called me to a promised land. You got to possess the land. You got to work the land. Huh? See, you're saved. Uh, there's no greater problem. You have been saved and delivered. Eternally destined for greatness. Eternally destined for all the goodness of God. But sometimes it's to our shock and dismay, like the children of Israel, that when you get to the land and you look in, this, this wonderful land that's promised to Abraham comes to the fourth generation. He was actually told that it would be the fourth generation that would enter in. And when they finally get there, we read about this right here in Hebrews 11, that Joseph, he, he spoke concerning his bones, that the generation that will leave here, he knew because of what was promised to Abraham Isaac and Jacob, here's Joseph now, who's a prince in Egypt, right? Here's Joseph, and he says, look, concerning my bones, take them home. You take them to the prom. I'm going, look, I paid the price so that the whole world, look, I was sold into slavery. I can't get too far into this stuff, man, because we'll, we'll visit Joseph a little bit more. Are you seeing this, though? Give me an amen if you're seeing what I'm saying here. Joseph knew, and he knew because of the word of God. We know because of the word of God, all that he's promised us, everything he's called us to, that we can trust it. Let me say that's faith. And when it says there, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please him any other way. You've got to have faith in what his word says for your life. Now, before I get too far into that, because we, we, we will get to see pictures of all of that, and I want to go straight into preaching that, but I've got to... I really got to lay a good foundation for this series. And I was telling the team last night, I'm like, man, I want to preach this. But, and I'm, I'm already going into that message that I wanted to preach today. But I got to go back and we got to lay a good foundation for this to be built upon. So that we understand after hearing all these stories, what does that have to do with me? Give me an amen. We need to know what it has to do with us when we, when we read those stories. <clears throat> Hebrews 12.1 so we read all of Hebrews 11. Listen to what 12.1 kicks off with. Therefore, say therefore. We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's referring back to all those people we read about. There are a cloud of witnesses. Surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Say my race. See, if, if, if we want to reflect back on that and say, man, here's the cloud of witnesses, right? What do you need to lay aside in your life right now that would be a hindrance to the call of God on your life so that you can run that race with endurance and fulfill and complete what God's called you to do so that when somebody reads your story, it's going to look like Hebrews 11. That's basically what Paul is saying, kicking off in in chapter 12 as he's reflecting back to say now look back on that and what are you going to do with your call and what are people going to 
read about your life. So the overall thought there, write this down. I think you have your notes. God is calling, but we need to hear and respond. God is calling, but we need to hear and respond. God called Abraham, he heard, and he responded. God called Moses, he heard, and he responded. God called Joseph, he heard, and he responded. God called Paul, he heard, and he responded. God called, look, even God's son. Do you think God's son got a call? Let me reflect back on Isaiah. When, when God is having the conversation, if you will, Isaiah, he has the vision of the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filling the temple. When all of that is going on and Isaiah is having this vision. And the statement, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? Plural us, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? Now Isaiah here becomes a type and shadow of Christ. He is the, if you will, the forerunner of the Christ. Depicting this conversation that's taking place there. He sees the vision in the, in the conversation, whom shall we, the Godhead, having the conversation of who, who shall we send, who will go for us? Here am I, Lord, send me. Jesus is the one that answered that call to go and redeem all mankind. Come on now. So if, if they saw that, I mean, if they heard and responded, how much more? Do we need to hear and respond so that our story will be told? That was a believer who heard God and responded to God's call in their life. And, and what's the proof of it? The proof of it is the fruit that followed their life. Jesus said you'll know them because of their fruit. Isn't that right? We, all we got to do is look back, look at our life and say, what am I producing? Are there souls being saved in the lives of those that I have relationship? Are needs being met in the lives of those whom I have relationship? Are people lifted up as a result of being in relationship with me? Are they encouraged through their hard times as a result of being in relationship with me? Are they challenged when they've lost their way as a result of being in a relationship with me? Can you say amen? So God is calling, we need to hear and respond. Two calls that we need to hear and respond to. The first one is, and many of us in this room have done this, maybe you haven't, but you could certainly do it today, is the call out of darkness. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, Paul, we'll get to reflect a little bit more on Paul later on, but Paul was one that had that exact experience. Actually, there was a bright light that appeared before him, and I, and I would say this, that it went nuclear. It went nuclear. Say that with me. It went nuclear. How do we know that? All I know is Paul had, like it was, these scales of skin on his eyes, and when Paul saw the Lord, right, in that moment, it's like Saul was his name then. God changed his, changed his name, but it was Saul. Saul, why do you persecute me? And he goes, Lord, who are you? 
Yeah, you got that one right. He was a little confused, but he still got it right. You know what? When you encounter God, you might be a little confused. Like, man, what, what is this? When you sense God's presence and you know he's there, he really doesn't need an announcement. You know, Paul kind of announced him, you know. It's kind of like this. It's like, Lord, who are you? It's like, let me tell everybody who it is and ask the question, who are you? It is the Lord. And what we know is when he, he finally uh, is with um, Ananias, one of the disciples, um, uh, what happens is, is that he prays for him and what fell from his eyes like scales. And I say that when the glory of the Lord appeared before him, no one can set their eyes on God's glory. Do you know that? Moses even, in back, back in the Old Testament, right? It's like, I want to see your glory, Lord. He goes, you can't see my glory. No man can see my glory and live, right? Now, I would say that, you know, and what God does is he hides Moses in the cleft of the rock and Moses is able to see God's, God passes by. When I pass by, Moses, you, you can look on my hindsight, but don't be looking on my front because it'll kill you. God passes by, Moses is like, oh, snap, that's amazing, right? Well, Paul, Jesus, Paul's killing Christians. Paul is working against the call of God in his life. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. Do you think before Paul was formed in his mother womb, mother's womb, God knew him? Absolutely. Do you think God's call in his life was any different than what it was? Absolutely not. God's call was God's call. And in that moment, Jesus appears to him. Paul sees the glory of the Lord. Now, all of us are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I want to say that, that in that moment where those scales fell from his eyes, it's no different than ourselves when we truly see the Lord for who he is. All of a sudden, something fleshly, the thing that tends to block our ability to interact with God, our flesh, our flesh gets in the way of our calling. Our flesh gets in the way of the purpose of God in our life. And I want to say when we begin to see God's glory for what it really is, when we begin to understand that he has crowned us with glory and honor and we need to walk as such, that what happens is, in a sense, that fleshly, those scales of flesh begin to fall from our eyes. And we, we no longer see things as much in the natural as we do in the spiritual. Yeah, the natural's all around us. We still eat. We still, you know, uh, wash our cars. We still, you know, fix our homes, whatever. But they are not the things that drive us. Physical things and carnal things are no longer what drives us. Why? Because when we have had that encounter with Christ, those scales fall from our eyes. And we are now, there's something greater living on the inside of us that's got to get out of us. There's something greater on the inside of us that we need to share with somebody else because they need to know too. They need to encounter God as well. And the only way that they may do that is by encountering God through us. I came to Christ because a man preached about the love of God on a Sunday morning. I, I had an encounter. Let me say this. I had an encounter with God in the desert. He spoke my name. Audible? Can't say. It was stinking real. It was so real, it shook me to my core. My initial thought was, whoa, I'm falling asleep. You know how you get off in that, that doze off kind of phase and you think you hear something? Pour myself a cup of coffee and drink it. And then, it, and then the second time I heard it, I'm kind of like, all right, I'm hearing voices. This is not good. 
And then the third time I heard it, I started crying because I felt the presence of God all around me. And I remember, and here's what happened. The only, the only words that came out of my mouth was this. God, question mark. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what this is, but it, I can't explain it away. Something's happening right now, and I don't understand it. God, I still didn't understand it after I left. Angie and I were dating, and uh, kind of for a few weeks, and we we're engaged. And, and I'll never forget, I get back where I can make a phone call. I call her the first words out of my mouth. I want to go to church when I get back. She's like, okay. She recognized what, something's happened. I encountered God, but I didn't understand it. I came back, and this preacher, this man of God, preaches about the love of Christ, the love of the Father in giving his son. I wept through the whole service, and something inside of me was being transformed under the hearing of God's. Well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And as I heard the preached word of God coming forth, it was just transforming me from the inside out because it was all thoughts and it was all feelings and, and all this going on inside I wasn't telling anybody anything around me. I guess they could pick it up by the tears streaming down my cheeks you know and, and I wasn't bawling like a baby or anything it was just just tears streaming while I listened to this going I'm amazed I've never heard such a thing and at the end when he gives this opportunity to respond I gave my life to Christ and then Next thing you know, uh, I'm reading scripture at a men's prayer breakfast, and God says, he said, see, I'm trying to lay out for you here the call of God, that you hear him and you respond. You hear him and you respond. And that there I am at an altar, uh, and, and it's a men's prayer breakfast, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying and I'm reading the Bible. I don't really don't know how to pray that much yet. I'm just kind of learning this stuff, a few weeks old in the Lord. And then God says, turn to Acts chapter 26. As clear as it was when I was in the desert and he spoke to me, he spoke to me at that altar and said, turn to Acts 26. I turned to the index. Because I had no idea, where's Acts? And is there an Acts chapter 26? Now, see, those are the things that by the Spirit begin to be spoken into you that you don't have knowledge of any other way, but the Spirit has knowledge of everything concerning God and everything concerning God's Word, right? And he drops that in my heart. And I go to index, okay, that's where it's at. And I flip over to it and I keep turning. Oh, there's an Acts chapter 26. What do you know? You know, I guess God wouldn't be wrong on that one. And I'm reading down and I get to the point where, king, or to, uh, where Saul is giving his testimony to King Agrippa. And he's saying, you know what? Uh, the, the Lord appeared to me. This is what happened. And he gets to this part and, and he says, this is what the Lord said. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Who doesn't know what a goad is? It's okay, raise your hand. I want to make sure everybody's knowledgeable. Okay, who knows what a goad is? Raise your hand. All right, I need to explain what a goad is for some people. It's the, the little pricks. That's another translation, the pricks. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And if you've ever seen a wagon and a horse or a, a, an ox that's pulling a wagon, there's these spikes on the front of the wagon. And, and they put them there because the ox would get ticked being in the harness, doesn't like it, start kicking backwards. Well, when they put the goads in there, boom, the ox would kick back and hit that sucker and be like, whoa, never doing that again. Kind of like Wade Spanking. Come on now. Let's have a little bit of fun in here, all right? He'd kick against the goads. It's hard for you to kick against. Look, you're trying to kill all these Christians, Paul, Saul. You're trying to kill all of them. You're not going to succeed. And for all the knowledge you have of me, you don't know me. 
But now you do. Now you're going to flip all that knowledge. And this is what Paul comes to. He says, I count all that as dung that I might know Christ. You see the change that takes place, the transformation that takes place. And now two-thirds of the New Testament, more than two-thirds of the New Testament we have because Saul, who became Paul, started going the right way, answered his call. He heard the call of God and he responded to it. Matter of fact, he responded to it so well, he went to the backside of the desert for two years to study before he'd even come and show himself to the other apostles. And when he did, they acknowledged what God was doing in him. And it was his testimony to King Agrippa. And this is what Jesus finishes that with. He says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. I've come unto you to make you a minister. To turn you from darkness to light. From the power of Satan. Or excuse me. Uh, come unto you to make you a minister. To deliver you from the Gentiles to whom now I will send you. To deliver them from uh, darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to the power of God. God spoke that to me. I went home and told Angie, I'm like, hey, God called me to ministry. She goes, honey, all new Christians think that. I said, oh, I didn't know that. And I just went about my way being a soldier, loving the Lord, reading my scriptures. Two weeks later, we're in a, we're in a meeting, something like this. Preacher's preaching, and he kind of comes to the end, and, and I'm thinking it's about done, and i got to get up for PT at 4.30 in the morning, so, you know, let's get out of here. Y'all thought that kind of thing before. Come on, be honest. And the preacher says, would the woman in pink, would she stand up? And it's my wife. I know some of you have heard this, but, but please, if, you know, allow me. And she stands up. And I'm going, what is this all about? And he says, you married? And she said, yeah. Your husband with you? Yeah. Husband, would you stand up? So I stood up. I'm like, what the world? I'm all new to this stuff. And he says, God wants to tell you, yes, he has called you to be a minister. And I look at Angie, I'm like, what? <laughs> you told me, what? Yeah. See, there, there's something about hearing and responding. I heard what God said, and I go home and I tell Angie, I responded immediately by talking about what God said to me and what he told me to do. Now, it doesn't make Angie a bad person. See, you got to understand, her mom said, don't marry a pastor. Whatever you do, you'll be dirt poor the rest of your life. And I thank God for the members of this church that don't put Angie and I in that dirt poor category. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. So, but here's the deal. Is that, that in that moment, see, I go to Ange and then I change my course back to what I was on. And God said, okay, let me tell you what your calling is again and, and make sure. See, he'll confirm and he will affirm what he's called you to do. And so, boom, he does that. And, and so, next thing you know, I'm in the scripture. I mean, I'm still studying I go to Germany, I lead 67 people to Christ in my first four months in Germany. Now you say, wow, but I say that any believer, I want a pastor. I had a call in my life, right? I want you to say this with me. I have a call from God. Every single one of us do. The thing is, is that we got to get quiet enough before him to hear what he's saying for us to do and then respond. See, I can read the scripture that's one thing. Let me, let me show you this here. So our call out of darkness into his marvelous light. For Paul, it was that way. And Paul was sent to help others experience that. To, for them to be called out of darkness into his marvelous light from the power of Satan to the power of God. Every single one of us need to experience that call out of darkness. The second call, <coughs> the second call is the call to walk 
worthy of our calling. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Look, you're going to need that if you're going to minister to people. Come on, say amen. You're going to help other people, you're going to need that long-suffering. You're going to need that, that love in your life. Number Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. You're called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Walk worthy of that calling so that you can help others be called out of darkness into His marvelous light. It's simply that. It's connected that way. Uh, uh, Paul has his experience. What happens? He turns and goes to others, and he begins to win them over to Christ. That's why I say when I went to Germany and I'm, I'm leading people to Christ, I'm just sharing the Word of God with people. I encounter a guy who's been divorced from his wife. He thinks I'm weird because when I talk to God, I talk to God like God really wants to talk to me. It's like, Father, I thank you that, that you're there and God, that you, you care about the things in our life. And see, when I'm praying in front of you that way, th there's an aspect of portraying that in such a way that hopefully you long for the same thing. Maybe you already have it. That's great. But you, you need, you know what? It's okay to put that on display. Say witness. Say testimony. What do you think those are? That's actually on display. You want others to know about it. You want to express your faith as a living, see, you want to hear, but you also need to respond so that others might know. That's what a witness and a testimony is. Others need to see it so that they too can hear and respond. And I'm there and I'm praying, and this guy, you're weird. I'm like, weird how? Yeah, you talk to God like he's there and real. Like, well, I mean, why would you want to go to church or do that if you don't think well yeah he's real but you can't actually talk to him and he doesn't talk to you well the scripture says my sheep know my voice and he's like yeah but that's just figurative and I'm like no that's literal it's a figurative story for a literal reason that we should hear his voice okay and I said for instance hearing God's voice see everything I'm talking this guy that told Angie to stand up all that that's prophecy prophecy is simply this God speaking to man through man say that with me God speaking to man through man that's all that is see God will bring a, a rhema word from something that aligns with the logos word the written word of God for the revelatory or the spoken word of God and so so in that moment I, I say for instance God does speak to us and he cares about us and our needs and he wants to communicate so this is what I would say to you God knows the situation with your wife and your children that you've lost them but he wouldn't have it be that way he would want that to be restored and he's gone I'm like he went, I don't, I don't know how you know that. I mean, you just got here. I don't know how you know that. I'm like, God just spoke it to me. I don't know anything about you. And it scares me to death to step out and say something like that because I don't know. But I'm trying to be obedient to respond to what I'm hearing. And that response right now is for you. 
And our parting of that night, he's going off kind of, you know, like, whoa. And I go my way. He's running. I'm out in the quad one day. He runs up to me. He goes, listen, would you come over and eat dinner with me? And I just want to ask you some questions. I'm like, okay. So he made spaghetti. He was a staff sergeant. I was a corporal. Actually, I was a specialist then. And, uh, and I go, he's got like an apartment thing. And I go, we eat dinner. And, um, you know, we just, I said, why don't we just pray some, you know? And so he sets down, he's praying or knelt down and prayed. I pace when I pray. And I'm pacing, and the Lord says, he's kind of like got his hands up like this, praying. And the Lord says, I'm walking by him. My hands get hot as fire. And I don't, you know, the hottest fire thing, I don't know what to tell you. It was just a, a manifestation of God's presence and anointing. But, but I don't know what it's for. It's like, God, I, what, are you, what the world is all that about, you know? And I just feel the anointing of God, sense it. He says, put your hands on his. Two men in a room by themselves, that ain't happening. That's exactly what my response to the Lord was. I am not doing that. And, 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 and just on and on and, and again and again it came back. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I do, hold your hands up. So I do this number. I'm pacing and I'm like. <laughs> His eyes are closed so he doesn't know because I'm sure he'd have been weirded out. It is. It's crazy, right? Hearing and responding. And I do that and I, I kind of walk over in this corner going, oh, my God, I hope he didn't see me do that. You know, He gets up and walks to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? And he's got his restroom, you know. And then I hear him in there, <laughs> just sobbing, bawling. And I'm like, what the world is going on? And he comes out, wiping tears. And he's like, I don't know, I just, I can't explain it. It's like my hands just got hot as fire. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and he goes, I just, I don't know, man. I just, there's something to this. I want to know more. And I'm like, man. So he starts telling me came home and caught his wife in bed with another man after a, a trip to the field. He pulled out his field knife and he stabbed himself and collapsed. He went to the hospital and he barely lived. But his wife packed everything up, took the kids, divorced him, and went home. And he's like, I just want my family. I want my family. I wasn't good to my wife. I didn't treat her right. Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, write her a letter. He's hearing He's acknowledging what he did that brought it. Look, her sins is one thing. His sins is the only thing he can deal with. And forgiving her sins is the only hope that maybe she'll respond, you know, with reciprocity. But if you want it redeemed, you got to respond like your Lord and Savior. you got to say, here am I. Lord, send me. See, answer the call. See, your call out of darkness into his marvelous light. This guy started following and pursuing God, but he didn't know how to turn and be a testimony, be a witness to his own wife to where maybe that could be restored and she could come out of that darkness and into that marvelous light. And I said, write a letter. Tell her everything that you're sorry for and ask her forgiveness and don't point out one thing she did wrong because you want to know what Jesus came and did? That's exactly what he came and did for every single one of us. And he did that. Now, long story short on that one, God restored their relationship, their family. And I look at that as one of the greatest moments. And I've seen many others, but that was one of the first. And that set me on a course, God, I may not understand all of this. I may not get it in my natural mind, my carnal the scales, I may not get all of that, but Lord, here I am, send me, show me when I, when I don't know, 
please, by the Holy Spirit, give me the confidence to step out and do something that's beyond myself. Because while everything around me may look like a wilderness and while there may be some giants to face, I want to enter the promised land of everything that you've called me to do. I want to answer the call of God on my life. Can you say amen? So walk worthy of that calling. And now two things then. If we're going to walk, if we're going to uh, answer the call to come out of darkness into his marvelous light and we're going to walk worthy of the calling of God, there's two things that you need to be motivated to live by your calling. Number one, don't make earth your home. Do not make earth your home. Hebrews 11, 9 through 10 again. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking for the city uh, with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Don't make earth your home. We live here, but see yourself as a sojourner. See yourself as a person. It's kind of like, um, you ever been in a place you didn't want to be? Give me an give me a amen if you've been there before. Like, man, I don't want to be here. I want to get out of here, huh? Right? Do you, do you just decide to hang around? Like, I think I'm going to hang around here. Now you're like, I'm out of here as soon as I can get out of here. For some of you, this past Christmas, that was your, you know, with your family. You're like, i got to get away from these crazy people, right? For some of you, it wasn't. God bless you. My family's nuts. But I love them. And when I'm with them, I don't see myself as there. I see myself as there. And I want them to be there. When I'm with them, it's a witness of all that Christ can do in their life. I, I look back on that and how God has done that for, for me. They used to call me crazy. Oh, you hear God, do you? <laughs> Ooh. I remember trying to share Christ with my brother when I first got saved. And he was a sailor. I'll end there. Some of you are just now getting that. That's right. He cussed me out. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, years later when my brother's like, man, I just, you know, kind of the end. I don't even know what to think. I'm like, well, if you're to the end, how about giving Jesus a chance? all right <laughs> man edit that out of this clip don't let him <laughs> no he wouldn't care now that's the whole thing once you're crucified with christ nevertheless you live yet it's not you but it's christ that lives in you he rejoices in that testimony and i remember reaching across that table in the presence of god setting down on my brother and 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 watching from that moment you know now how he wants to be a testimony to his own child and to those around him me say that that this is a journey a sojourner we're, we're journeying everything isn't necessarily easy in answering the call but it's worth it it's not necessarily easy to step out for christ with your loved ones it's not easy to step out with your friends it's not easy to step out where uh, your colleagues are concerned it's not easy to step out with people that you don't even know that that god might speak to you hey go do that you're like oh man i don't know if i could do that but you never know the moment you step out. It could be a marriage that's restored. It could be, you know, a disease that's, you know, um, healed. It could be a demon that's cast out. It could be their life being set at liberty, just like Jesus came to set the captives free. So you've got to live in a way 
that earth is not your home. You're in it and you're not of it. Second, live with an eternal perspective then. Hebrews eleven twelve, And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand of the seashore. See, when Abraham was promised that, you've got to understand, hey, I'm going to give you so many children, they're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Abraham's like, God, you and I need to have a chat. Um, do you know how old I am? I mean, like, you know, I am old. And Sarah, she can't even have children. She's beyond the years of childbearing. That's not what he did. Abraham, Abram at that time, took it on faith that what God was saying was possible. I don't know what situation you may be facing where your call is concerned that it seems impossible, but I do want to say to you that with God, to him who believes, all things are possible. All things. So whatever that is, make sure you write it down today. Don't, don't, don't hear this word today and not go and you, know, you need to go and be a doer. Hear and respond. Hear and respond. Write it down. Make it plain upon tablets so that you can run. He, Habakkuk 2 and 2, write that down. That's, that's a bonus. Habakkuk 2 2. Write the vision, make it plain, so that he that reads it may run. Make it plain on tablets, so I'll quote it exact, so that he that reads it may run, or she that reads it may run. Write your vision, make it clear what God's call is on your life, and then begin to run in the direction that he's calling you. Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are uh, looking for a country of the, they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city. For them. Now think about it this way. We know that in Moses' time, and we'll get a deeper look at that, but we know in Moses' time, there were people that longed for the leeks and, and the, um, the leeks and the, well, no, it was the, it's like onions and something else. I can't remember. I'll have to look that one up. I can't believe I'm calling around on a blank. There, there are two things, but they long to go back to Egypt to eat that meager food rather than be in that wilderness for a season to go to the promised land. And they're like, oh, if we were only in Egypt, we'd have this to eat. God's like, I can't believe you just said that. Really? And he's talking to Moses like, man, these people are, what? You know, fine, fine. You know what? Let me show you again how amazing I am. In the evening, all of a sudden, manna, right? Say manna. Say manifest. You know, something, that they actually, here's what manna means. What is it? <laughs> it starts coming down. It's like, it's just like there. It's laying everywhere. Like, what is it? I don't know. Wow, that is amazing. Kind of like us when God does something in our life. Like, what is it? I don't know, but it's amazing. 
He manifests His glory and His presence and anointing in our lives. And He makes something possible that is impossible if we'll only believe. Now, for them, right, He's doing that like, look, guys, I'll show you again. Then they start complaining about the manna. God's like, fine. Quail just start coming into the... It's like, whoa, look at all the quail. Where'd they come from? God. God starts providing for them to show them even in the wilderness but look guys he's like i'm i'm not wanting to i want to give this to you and then you go in and you work the land look why don't you be responsible i'm not looking to just have a bunch of little kids the rest of my life i'm looking to raise you up to take responsibility to have faith to conquer your giants (laughs) he has overcome the world fear not little children for i have overcome the world What is that all about? That's all about us embracing that and becoming overcomers. Amen. Listen, on the bottom of this, I've given you something called timeline of life. You see birth and death. And you see four things there. And I want you to start working on because as we get through this series, this is something we're going to come back to. By the time we're done with this series, you will have developed your testimony. You have developed you have come to that place of where, wow, God did this. God, oh, wow, I, that happened in my life. Oh, that happened in my life. Let me show you that from birth to death, start kind of, you just draw a line. Use different colors would be a great thing. You can go red, blue, yellow, green, or however you want to do it. But use different colors. And what you do is draw a line up and then write that event. Write the, you know, there was a success. You know, I, man, when I graduated kindergarten, I don't know about anybody else. When I graduated kindergarten, man, it was just like, yeah, you know. Now, now think about it this way. We look back on that as adults and like, big deal. Now to a kindergartner, that's unbelievable. It's like, yes, I'm out of here. And then you really start your, you know, education. <laughs> and then the senior year comes, and, and don't tell me for a moment. You know, it's like, I know Vanessa, she's like, I am so done with high school. When she was a junior, and uh, she wanted to get on to college. And it's like, these people are so immature here. And da, da, you know, and so, but... So graduating high school is like, yeah, and then she goes to college, she goes, what's the matter with these people? They're running around screaming, acting like a bunch of little kids. I'm like, those same people that were in your senior year, they're in college now. (laughs) So the senior year of college, you're going, yeah, see, there's an aspect of looking forward, but there's there's those moments of success in your life. Look, write those down, draw a line up and kind of write, oh, that that was really a success, something that stood out to me, and that was, and that was, and work down... You know, kind of write, you know, if you will, I was six years old, 10 years old, 15, whatever it may be, and write those successes. Then also the failures, the hardships, those things that have been very difficult for you. I was four years old, and I I do remember it, four and a half, when my parents divorced. And I'll never, my dad would come pick me up on Saturdays, and I'd go to be with him. And he wouldn't show up, and he wouldn't show up, and he wouldn't show up. My mom walked down on the porch one day and goes, honey, he doesn't love you. Now, my dad not showing up was devastating. But when my mom said, honey, he doesn't love you, I remember running off to the back side of our our land. We called it the back 40. Sitting in the same place at nine years old, I promised God I would give him my life if he would give me a wife who would love me and never leave me through anything. Because of my mom and dad's breakup, and all of that happening at nine, I'm promising God my life if he gives me a wife. I just want to be a dad and a husband. 
but at six years old, I ran to that same place because I was told I wasn't loved by my father. And that became a hardship. That was a hard, defining moment for me. And I wrote that in there. Why? Because at nine years old, I'm being beat by my stepfather, mistreated by my stepfather. And I find myself at that same spot at the creek, making a promise to God, not even realizing at that time that no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. That the promise I was making to God was not even my own promise. It was God's Spirit working in me to draw me to himself. To work on and on. And, and that, that's something we'll visit. And, and I'll have my whole timeline up and you'll get to see that when we finish this series out. But I would like you to have that for your own life. Here's why. Because you can have a summation of your testimony that can be shared in about 15 minutes in highlights. That when somebody sees that and how God's worked in your life, it makes a huge impact in their life. And I'll say this, it's probably going to make a bigger impact in your life than it will anybody else's. Why? Because you'll start to understand the call of God on your life. You'll start to understand how he can use you. And you'll start to understand what your witness is. You'll start to understand that you're a sojourner. You're, a, you're in this world. You're not of it. You've got something greater in you to share with, with the people around you. And it's eternal. It's not temporal. The last two, uh, number three, key relationships, um, impact was made plus or minus. Um, like mentors versus, you know, like I just shared with you when, my, when that happened with my dad, that was a key relational um, breakdown, which I had to heal from. The, that's why it's important to identify those because you'll find things that are triggers for you that if, it, if you were broken, that if, you, if there's something fractured in you with regard to those relationships, it's something that will recycle itself in relationships now and in your future. So it's important for you to find forgiveness for them or, or for yourself, whatever that may be, so that you're able to minister out of wholeness, not out of that, that broken state. And I don't need, mean brokenness as, as in a humility before God, because a broken and a contrite spirit the Lord will not refuse. That's a good brokenness. But a brokenness that, that you know, I'm no good and people don't want anything to do with me. And, you know, you all know the Eeyore? You know, anybody you know Winnie the Pooh? How many like hanging around Eeyore? Uh, the whole world's falling apart. It's like, you know. Nobody does, and oftentimes they don't even see that they're an Eeyore, and what happens is people are repelled, and there's something broken or fractured that needs to be healed. And then the fourth thing, moments you knew God did something in your life. I look back, and I know God did something in my life when I was nine years old. I look back, and I know God did something in my life when, when I'm uh, on a tractor, and I remember one of those specific times of abuse and I'm on a track. I'll never forget this because, and I'd never done it. I didn't know what it was. I just began to worship God and sing. I'm on this tractor, bush hogging a, a straw field, you know, and I'm out there just, God, yeah, I'm singing it. I'm not singing any, you know. I think I knew Amazing Grace, so I threw that one in there every once in a while. But I'm just singing stuff out that just is coming out, and I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm doing it. I was worshiping free. He's seeking the true worshipers who worship him in truth and in spirit. And that day, I tapped into something that God created me to do that I didn't understand. That I only found out when I was probably 20 or 21 that I really come to understand what worship was. And reflect, man, God got a hold of me on that tractor. I was probably anywhere from 11 to 12 years old on that tractor. And God got a hold of me. And, and I remember it impacted me that day. That Those kind of moments that you can go, well, you know. And look, don't like... 
okay, I've got to make some up because I only have three in here. Don't do that. It may be that, you know, every six to seven years, God did something amazing in your life and you see it. But trust me on this. This timeline, once you're done, you're going to watch God show it up. A hardship might have happened. You're going to watch God show up somewhere in there. He was at work in your life. Why? Because he is a master of mending broken things. That's what he is. He's a master at redeeming destiny when people feel like it's lost. He's a master at revealing himself in a way for you that is the father that cares. And all you got to do is trust. And that's say, say that's faith. So, uh, you know, over the next, uh, now we have uh, um, seven weeks be working on that when we arrive at uh, the seventh week from now so that our eighth week in the series this is what we're going to come to and I would hope that everybody's taking time to kind of build that uh, and it's going to give you a great snapshot of your calling and your witness so that you can hear and and you guys so you can hear and respond. respond father I thank you for today and I thank you father for every person in this room, and I ask, Lord, that as we go through this series, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, I know you speak to us, but would you speak to us even more? Would you just, um, Father, just allow us to come to a new level of hearing your voice? I know that it'll be because we actually are taking more time to listen but God, I'm just asking you to have that, that just spilling over of grace that causes you just to begin to speak to us very clearly. Lord, as we lay our head on our pillow at night, we pick up our Bibles to read in the morning, whatever it may be, driving down the road, going to work, talking to you, that, Father, we would uh, understand it's important to take also those moments of silence and ask, God, would you speak to me today? And, Lord, I know that you're going to do it. Pray, God, that in this time that we're drawing near to you. And God, those things that are in our life that may be misaligned or kind of out of sync. God, we'll just lay them at your feet and seek your face. The Lord, you'll also take care of those things. You'll go before us. You'll be our rear guard in that sense. We love you. We magnify you. And we worship your holy name. And we invite you. Over the coming weeks, God, to gain greater ground, Lord, and to gain a, a higher place in our lives. Maybe we hold you high, but God, we're offering. That's what an offering is. We're offering you more of ourselves today so that there can be more of you manifest through our lives tomorrow. And we thank you again. And Lord, I bless every person here today. And as they go, God, that they would hear and they would respond to the call of God on their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Have a great week.